Welcome to the Startup Launchpad Podcast. I'm your host, Carl, and in each episode, we are going to unpack key insights, expert advice, and success stories to power up your startup journey. Let's make your entrepreneurial dreams a reality. All right. All right. Okay. Good evening, everyone. I'm going to kick off right now. Um, we have just some time for the conversation. Um, I'm really excited about today's conversation. I think it's awesome. We're going to be reflecting on 2023, the challenges, the triumphs, and what's next. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And I'm happy to have um, everybody on the call. We have our speakers, we have some listeners, and I know that others are going to join us um, shortly. So um, thank you guys for joining us. So I'm going to do a brief introduction of our speakers. Um, and by brief introduction, I mean I'll just say who they are and where they work. And then I'll let them talk about themselves and their companies and give us a little insight as to who is talking to us. And then we would dive into the conversation for the day. We want to make it as laid back as possible, just have a conversation. And yeah, so I'm looking forward to a great conversation. So um, first up, we have Bernard Garte. I hope I said that right. But Bernard is an investor at Norsken 22. And um, he's here with us today to give his insights on 2023 and how the year has been. So uh, great, great to have you on here, Bernard. Um, next up, we have Nonso Onwuzulike. Onwuzulike. Yes, I think I said that right. <laughs> I'm sorry if I didn't. Um, Nonso is the founder and CEO at Ernie Pay. And great to have you here, Nonso, and great things you're doing with AnyPay. And last, um, we have Zion Thompson. Zion is a partner at Startup Launch Code our very own. Thanks, Zion, for joining us today. And last but not least, we have Ezra Anajonu. Um, Ezra is the chief evangelist at Boss 54. Um, Ezra is going to be joining us. He had a little situation come up just a few minutes before the Twitter spaces. And so he sent on a message um, that to, with his apologies, but he'll probably be joining us later if it is possible and if he's able to sort that out. But um, yeah, in the meantime, let's um, hear from our speakers. Um, great to have them on. Okay, so I see we lost. Okay, so, okay, don't so just go back. So great to have you guys on. And great uh, thanks to everyone who is on the call, listening, um, and um, listening, and those who will hear the recording, those who will hear the podcast. Um, great to have you on. So we're talking about reflection on 2023, challenges, triumphs, and what's next. So I want us to hear from our speakers. Um, I'll kick off with Bernard. Tell us a bit about you, about where you have um, your company and all that, and we'll move on. Thanks. You can go ahead. Yeah, uh, thank, thank you so much, Bill. And uh, hi, everyone. Uh, thanks to all of you who joined us uh, for this session. Uh, my name is Bernard Gatti. I'm an investor at North Kentucky, too. Uh, we are a good stage VC. We invest from Series A to C across fintech and soft infrastructure in, uh, verticals, enabling trade, education, and healthcare. We are very distributed on the continent. So myself, I'm based at Accra, but we have a team in Lagos. We have a team in Nairobi and a team in South Africa and Cape Town as well. We can invest, you know, even though we are located in these markets, we can invest opportunistically across anywhere on the continent, but say maybe Sub-Saharan Africa is our primary focus. And uh, we write check sizes of four to six million. That's our sweet spot, but we can go up to 10 million. Uh, yeah, let me pause here. Thank you so much, Bernard, and great to have you join us on this conversation. 
Um, looking forward to hearing your insights. Um, let me go to Nonso. Uh, hey guys, how's it going? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. Yeah, awesome. My name is Nonso. I'm the founder of Ernie Pay. Ernie Pay is an early stage startup. We launched in January 2022 with the vision to provide on-demand salary access for income earners in Africa. So we launched a product, or actually I'll say we pioneered a product called Earned Wage Access in, in Nigeria specifically. And the vision was really to solve the 30-day wait cycle that many of employees had, right? And happy to say that, you know, having pushed the product for the past two years, we've provided like over 500 million hour worth of earned wage access to employees in Nigeria to date. I'm super excited about like the journey ahead where we've realized that there's a lot more that we can do with this positioning that we have by providing, you know, financial services to salary earners. So super excited for the for the future ahead. Uh, but yeah, we'll have operations in, in Nigeria and looking also to expand, you know, across Africa. <laughs> when the markets are better. <laughs> yeah. Great, Nansa. Thanks for joining us. And definitely looking forward to your insights as well. Um, and last but not least, um, Zion. Awesome. Um, great to be here. So um, Zion and um, I'm a partner at Startup Launch Code. We're sort of like a growth studio to most um, early stage startups, provide a growth support and also like... Um, number of other services that actually help, you know, businesses get off the ground, work with like a lot of venture-backed startups. And I think in recent times, because of how the funding climate has changed a bit, there's been a lot of like strategy that has to do with many of, you know, keeping the, these uh, companies as um, at least in a, um, helping to create like sustainable growth to weather the storm. And it requires a lot of like, you know, new ways of thinking and approaching, you know, the problems that they're trying to address in the marketplace. And But definitely, I'm still very optimistic of what the future, you know, holds for us and um, for many startups too across the continent. So it's good to be here to share my thoughts. All right, great. Thank you so much, Zion. And thank you to Bernard and Nonso as well. Um, like I said, we're going to be reflecting on 2023. And personally, I'm looking forward to the discussion I always, my personal thing is you learn so much by other, from other people's experiences. And I'm really just excited about the landscape and 2024. And um, I think one of the things is just to look back on, see all the learnings from the past year, and then really just um, talk about what we should be looking forward to. And so um, I think the first question I would want to ask um, um, all the speakers um, and Bernard, I'll, I think I'll kick it off with you again. Um, but I would, um, one question I'll say is like, when you think about the African ecosystem, how would you describe the evolution of um, the funding landscape and just the business landscape for startups in the last year? And what factors would you um, say have played a significant role? What would you say are those key learnings we've seen in terms of like how the landscape has changed or evolved? <laughs> I was going to say evolution has evolved in mm. 2023 yeah you can go ahead yeah um yeah uh, thanks for the question Phil. look we've we've had an amazing last two two years i mean 2021 and 2022 were fantastic bull years for the african ecosystem i mean we raised at record space basis we recorded some of the fastest growth 
we've, we've ever seen on the continent. But I mean, the last twelve months has has given us a, a sobering moment. Um, but I think you know, if, if you you have to look at it as a as an opportunity as well. Most people describe it as a a challenge and this slowdown in in fundraising activity. But I think it's an opportunity to just you know soberly reflect on our on our space and understand what will work you know in our markets and you know uh, and, and how we can build this going forward. I think the the key evolution for me has been the focus on sustainability. I think the word sustainability has been a, a buzzword over the last few months. Um, and, you know, companies have realized that remaining default alive is a concept that they have to think about 24-7, right? And, and both founders and investors have also realized that growth at all costs is not sustainable. And companies must operate on the basis of default, default alive. For me, the primary the primary question is that should a founder fail to raise in the next six or twelve months, do they go out of business or can they sustainably grow the business on the back of positive unit economics? So, yeah. So for me, I think that that's the key evolution I've seen. And I mean, probably this year would end up raising the we end up raising about three billion dollars. I mean, you know, three billion dollars will be poured into startups on the African continent this year. It's a big steep from the five billion recorded last year. But I mean, if, if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, everywhere else has recorded declines. So actually, you know, considering how young our ecosystem is, we've been a bit resilient. But I think the shift from growth at all costs to positive unit economics, uh, backing businesses that have strong fundamentals, and also founders being conservative around growth ambitions and making sure that for every additional dollar they earn in revenue, it, it adds, uh, there's there's an addition to contribution margin. I think that thinking gives me comfort and excitement that our ecosystem is, is, is maturing and, you know, it, it only gets better from here. Thanks so much, Bernard. I love those thoughts and I definitely agree with you. Just the last word you said, like um, the last um, line you said, where like, I think this year has been a year of maturity. Um, for the African ecosystem. And while the last two years, previous years were great, I think this is them, This is where like real businesses are made and built, like those businesses that are going to last a long time. And I think it's been a great learning journey. Uh, but yeah, Nonto, I would like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, it's, been a, it's been a different year, right? Compared to 2021, where people were raising off like pitch decks, and, you know, just like uh, assumptions of what the realities would be when you start to build a business this past few years have been enlightening, I'll say the least. Uh, but I think from a founder perspective, really just giving you that opportunity to take a step back and re- like reason your business from first principles, right? And really around like why you actually set out to do this. And if fundamentally, like, you know, there's there's a business opportunity there. So, I mean, what we saw also in the past few years is that, you know, there was a lot of like copy paste models where people would take, you know, opportunities that looked really good in like the US or like, you know, in other markets and try to replicate it here. But, you know, yeah, the markets are, are really different. And yeah, what works in the U.S. may not necessarily work in, in like the markets that we're operating in. So it's really like, you know, reasoning from first principles about what you're trying to 
offer as a solution, what you're trying to offer as a business. And if from like the venture ventures point of view, if it actually provides like venture scale opportunities, right? And yeah, it's been a humbling experience, right? We've seen like, you know, businesses shut down just based off the fact that they were not able to to raise additional funding. We've seen many instances where businesses shut down. But what I'm super excited about this opportunity is that as, you know, businesses are shutting down, we're still seeing, you know, instances where businesses are raising raising record rounds. Uh, new businesses are being formed. And, you know, I think overall, like, we would come out of this, like, better. So it's tough times, but, you know, tough times build tough people. So I'm excited to be in this part of, of you know, the journey, building my company. Yes, I 110% agree. It's almost remains from like, amen, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, Zion, do you want to chip in? Before I kind of go into the next question, no, no, I, I, I do agree with no, so because, um, um, and what, uh, apologies, there's a lot of my background noise, but I, I do agree with that because the kind of businesses that are going to be built going forward are going to be sort of like resilient. And what's really interesting because this kind of cycle happens a lot of times, right? Where there's a lot of recession, you know, increase in um, consumers like being more conservative and therefore. Consumer behavior also changes, which definitely affects dynamics of every business. However, like the startups that actually survive such strength or derive strategies to weather that storm tend to be tend to have a very strong foundation. And in our perspective, there are a number of things to look at in terms of like the strategy, the product, the, the shift in consumer behavior, and um, also because you want to as much as possible um, find ways to you know, adapt and adjust. Like, even from the last uh, Black Friday spend, there was more spending on uh, leveraging buy now, pay later sort of like uh, products for people, consumers making purchases. So how does a business came to that to actually like, you know, still weather the storm? And in my, like, I was just doing some bad research and you see like companies like Uber, Airbnb, they come sort of like started in, should I call it like, um, when the economy was not so favorable, right? And so definitely we're looking for like a new different breed of startups that um, just also like what Bernard, you know, alluded to like, it's not just about like raising funds, but actually you are actually engaging customers that are paying for your service and you can see some predictability in the kind of routes you can achieve over a period in time. And so what we have been trying to do is actually to Try to work with startups to double down on the numbers that actually make sense. So, we don't without an investor, definitely, an investor is going to come in. But how can you sustain your growth, right? And still, like, um, engage customers and scale it from there. And then, you know, if you're engaging an investor, you can still run, you still have enough runway without them. But if they come in, then you're taking this to the next level. So, it's really an interesting time. There's still opportunity. And there's definitely going to be a shift in the kind of like, you know, products that are going to be pitched to investors. And I'm, I'm just excited to, you know, see how this thing goes from there and, you know, how we work with, like, startups that are trying to find, like, unique um, value proposition and bring it to the marketplace that what already existed in the space already. So, yeah, this is my thoughts. Great. Thank you so much, Zion. Thank you so much. And I think I do agree with all, um, all of you. And I just think, like, um, we should be excited. I think while it's really, really challenging, but it's an exciting time because um, I think um, it was, Nonso, yeah, Nonso said it like, 
um, tough times build tough people. Um, and so if you are able to have a business, sustainable business during such um, ec economic climbs, then think about when the economy is good and everything is booming, right? So I think um, for founders who are here at the end of 2023 and they are still afloat and they still see life in their business, I think that's, that in itself is a really big win. Um, um, and I want to go on to my next question. So we wanted to really talk about challenges and talk about the triumphs. And I think um, it's very important to um, take, um, take um, English fails me at the most important times. It's very important to kind of like take stock of where we're coming from. And so um, in the face of challenges, so we mentioned some low funding, which um, Bernard gave the numbers. While funding was down by like about 40%, it's still a lot of funding that came in. But where we have reduced funding, investors are a bit more skeptical. Um, we saw a lot of businesses that had raised incredible amount of funds shut down. In the face of all these challenges, um, different founder issues, there are so many challenges that actually just hit the um, ecosystem. I think we're in the midst of another one now uh, where we're talking about responsibility and all of that. Um, but in the midst of all these challenges, um, how did, what do you think are those characteristics? And I, I'm thinking about the founder who is listening, the founder who is just starting out, or the person who wants to be a founder, but then suddenly it's not so glamorous to be a founder anymore, right? And it's like, I, I have this problem, I've seen this problem in the marketplace and I want to build something, but I don't know whether it's worth it, right? And so I'm just thinking about in the face of these challenges, how, in your opinion, do you think that successful startups were able to navigate these uncertainties? What are those characteristics that successful startups, successful founders, successful businesses have had that have helped them to? navigate these uncertainties in 2023 and what lessons do you think it would be founder an early stage founder can learn and draw from it to help shape their experience we, we don't have to all go through pitfalls right we can learn from other people's experiences so um non so i think i'll start with you and i see ezra is on as a speaker so ezra i'm going to come to you very soon to get you to introduce to the group but non so you can kick off Cool. Uh, I think, honestly, the one trait that really encompasses a lot of things that I can speak about today is, is resilience, right? Because basically, as you said, like, you know, being a founder is no longer glamorized, right? Because it's actually like a tough job. And I can speak from the perspective of having to manage like multiple aspects of the business, aspects where, you know, you are the best person to deal with it and even aspects that you don't you're not the best person to deal with it just but just because you are in that position of a founder it's your responsibility but what 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 happens is that you you get a lot of like disappointment throughout the whole journey of being a founder there's disappointment from when you first off have an idea of you know what you're trying to do and you go to the market you have this assumption you take it to the market and then the customers have a different view or like, you know, all your projections in your spreadsheet after like running the company for like six months and it's a whole different thing, right? Or when you're pitching to like investors and you're super excited about your vision and they don't see anything in it, right? And, but the really, the most important trait is, is, is resilience and I can use the Airbnb story, right? I don't know if, if many of you have read about Airbnb, how the founders got so many no's, right? But they were still like resilient and this thing is going to work. This thing is going to work. And they kept on like, you know, pressing on. They maxed out their credit cards, right? Because they had that strong, you know, validation that, hey, there's actually something here, right? And today, like Airbnb is one of, you know, the 
prominent examples of what the successful like you know startup should be but it wasn't like they didn't raise one million dollars in their first like first month or they didn't raise it off you know uh their first pitch deck right they had like so many no's right but they were resilient enough to keep fighting the good fight primarily because they they believe strongly in what they wanted to to build as a solution and and you know the opportunities that that would result from that right but if they weren't resilient like I'm, i'm pretty sure that you know after like the first few news, like they could have easily just gone and gotten a job, right? Because primarily that's what you see most people do. And not to knock on people that, you know, try attempt at, you know, being a founder and then realize this is not for them and then they go get a job. In fact, that's my recommendation to many people. When you see that, hey, this is not the path for you, it's easier for you to just go get a job and everybody is better off, right? But if you feel very strongly that this is a path for you, the one trait that you need to have is resilient because it's, there's going to be a lot more no's than yeses and it's a lot more harder than you think it is and it gets harder every day. Yeah, thank thank you so much, um, Donso. Um, Zan, do you want to chip in? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I think I... <laughs> I sort of kind of relate with what Nonso is saying because it first starts, um, many times it comes from different angles, right? So there's the family side and there are people that your own circle that probably may not actually see what you see. And for, for a founder, there, there is a side that um, you, you actually act from your strongest conviction, right? So you see the opportunity probably and it looks so plain to you that you think everybody should see the way you're saying it, and it doesn't happen that way. And so there's this um, um, unspoken reality where it's like, well, go figure it out. And if it's something, yeah, we'll, it probably would join you. But if it's not, we told you so. And so the, 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 the mind of a founder has to just be almost like get used to rejection, get used to no's, deal with a lot of like frustration, which I think, you know, we don't really don't talk about most of the time. The media talks more about the fundraising side as compared to what really goes down in trenches, you know. And for, you know, in doing what we do, well, one of the things we try to do is at some time catch our breath. Like, okay, what is going on well? What is not going on well? And most importantly, like have a very small truth circle, right, that can um, is it just me or did I lose Zion? Yeah, I think oh, we lost okay. that. Okay, Zion. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, now we can hear you. I was so confused. I think oh, okay. Okay. All right, cool. <laughs> Apologies. So I was saying like, um, you you go probably to, let's say, Silicon Valley, the rest of them, you see different guys raising funds for all kinds of ideas, you know, startups for puppies, you know, where Africa or in Nigeria, we're talking more fintech, you know, and it's, the it's there just seems to be this like um bias so to speak like do, do they get more funny than we do aren't there more opportunities here or problems to solve here so they all those things that the founder has to like deal with and some people think that it's easy to get funding until you begin to try to raise then you realize that the idea is not so it's just so much that the african founder has to deal with that you know if you don't have like some um some support so to speak it can be, I mean, it can be, um, it can be really challenging, you know, just going from day to day. So I, I definitely agree. Like resilience is like is you kind of emphasize it for anybody starting out. Yeah, great idea. 
good everything, but do you have resilience? Like that should be like the number one question before you even present your deck, because it's just going to be some really hard days before you even see the sunshine. So yeah, just throwing that in. All right. Um, and I know you want to um, give some, share your thoughts here. And I'm going to come to Ezra. Ezra, I haven't forgotten you. I'm coming to you right now. But Bernard, you can go ahead and share your thoughts. Um, not, not much to add. I think both Nonso and, and, and Zion have spoken extensively about this, but maybe a little from the investor perspective. I usually say that 50% of the DD we do is, is really about the team. Because uh, startup investment is really a trust and a relationship business. So you want to make sure that you, 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 you are back in the right team. The right team is very critical because when the going gets tough, they will be able to you know, take a step back, uh, put their heads, lift their heads, and then re-engineer the business model, re-engineer the entire process, right? So you, you want to be able to have teams that have grit who can you know, pivot when it, it's needed. One of the things I've seen founders do or have done this year, which was, was really interesting, was Look, they started out to solve a particular problem in a particular market, but they quickly realized that either, look, this was an untapped market for a reason, or, you know, this is not a, a viable business model. And they quickly pivot, right? It doesn't mean you have to do a complete 360, but you can look for pockets within that same market that you could monetize. Uh, perhaps the problem you set out to solve still needs to be solved. However, maybe the, 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 the buying customer is not matured or is yet to arrive, you know. So you have to look for other pockets in that space where there's buyer maturity, then the buyer is readily available. So you can understand, you know, you can redefine your ideal customer uh, uh, profile and then also, you know, re-engineer your go-to market to make sure that you are building something that's commercially viable. It's, I mean, it's not a badge of honor to, 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 to build something which is, is not working. You know, you have to be agile. When you realize that this is not working, you have to quickly re-engineer the processes. It doesn't, you know, I, I know sometimes you want to, founders want to stick to it and make sure that because they believe and they are so passionate about a particular problem, they want to stick to it and uh, and, and see it to the end, which, which is admirable. But I think another skill is also to be able to quickly see what will work what would work and re-engineer the process and, and you know shift the business model to to what will work and move things around. So uh, I think that, that's what I'll add for now. You're absolutely right. That delicate space between really figuring out um I need to keep on going versus no, this isn't working. We need to pivot and try something. And so I think that's something I think that's something really, really key um that founders would be founders need to learn. But thanks for those thoughts. Um Ezra Hi, welcome to the space. I know you joined about 20, um, 15 minutes ago. Um, so just wanted you to do a quick intro of yourself and Boss54. And then um, you could also chip in on the um, this particular question that we're talking about, which is what are maybe some insights you think from the past year, 2023, that founders, early stage founders, would-be founders can take? Because I think this has been a building year for a lot or in, back to the basics foundational year for startups and so what lear learnings lessons do you think that founders can take from it so yeah Ezra over to you no thanks uh thanks Bell great to be here um hi to um fellow um speakers Zion um uh Nonso Bernard um and everybody else 
Um, apologies, I was uh, I joined in late. The weather in Berlin is atrocious today, so just sort of spoiled um, all my carefully laid plans um, for today. Um, so um, I, I have a um, so a couple of um, comments. Um, but first of all, I'll introduce Bus Fifty Four. So. Bus 54 is building the operating and ecosystem for passenger transportation in Africa. Um, it's an African product which, with Nigeria as an entry point. Um, and that is something I'm, uh, I'm really keen to, um, to stress. Basically, it's a, SaaS, it's a SaaS product, comes with payment integration um, and with partnerships with um, original equipment manufacturers, we're able to um, reduce the time to market for new transport operators. Um, Is it just me or I can hear Ezra? I can, I can hear. I hear you fine. Yeah. From this side. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 So it's me. Sorry, Ezra. No, go no ahead. Worries. I'll figure it out. Um, no worries. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, our, our, our SaaS product um, reduces the time to market for new transport operators. Um, and makes the shift from um, offline to, to digital for existing transport operators as seamless as possible without the need for technology expertise. Um, and we're able to provide them uh, financing um, as well for um, new and eco-friendly buses. Um, so great great to be here. I may say things that may have already been said by uh, my very good friend Zion, um, Bernard, and Nonso. Um, but I will give, I will share my two cents. Um, so in tw- so twenty twenty three is quite an amazing uh, or interesting year. Um, interesting in the sense that uh, there were a lot of market dynamics. Um, when you look at both the micro and macroeconomic conditions globally, um, uh, a lot of um, startups and founders had to sort of realign. And, and readjust their strategies. So there isn't, you know, that free fall um, uh, of funding um, anymore. Um, investors are more conservative, um, spend a bit more time with due diligence um, and, and really vet um, the startups they invest in. Now, of course, it causes frustration uh, for us founders. Um, but one of the things... Um, I, I I fundamentally believe, and it's it's what we've done um, at Bus Fifty Four. Um, apart from having resilience um, to to weather, you know the the, the storms that will surely come. Um, it's also around a, an in depth understanding um, of uh, of the market. Um, and what what I see increasingly, and I've seen it certainly with our competition, um, is is solving for, uh, or is asking whether the solution solves the root cause of the solves the symptom of the problem or solves the root cause of the problem. Yeah, um, and I'll I'll use Bus Fifty Four as a, as an example. Um, a lot of emphasis has been placed on booking experience um, for travel for passenger travel. Um, but we found that the problem isn't with booking experience. The problem is with the travel experience, right? It may take you a minute to book a ticket uh, for an intercity journey. But if that journey, say Lagos to Abuja, but if that journey is unpleasant, which is almost 10 hours or 12 hours, depending on traffic conditions, um, you won't remember it took you a minute to book to book your ticket. 
Now, at that point, what do you do? Do you carry on with solving for booking experience, which is a symptom, or you take a couple of steps back? Um, and I think it was Nonso I heard um, that, that talked about, you know, so the, the models working in, in developed markets, not necessarily working in, in, in Africa. And I, I, I completely agree, totally agree with that. Um, of course, in Africa, you need to think. The other question as a founder you need to ask is, the solution I'm providing, is there an ecosystem to support that? And without that ecosystem, uh, unfortunately, you are going to run into even bigger difficulties no matter how much you have raised, right? So um, I think understanding understanding the market, really asking that, getting to the root cause of the problem and solving for that root cause um, is something that will put um, startups in good stead uh, in 2024 um, and beyond. Um, the other thing um, I would like to stress um, is, uh, is around uh, processes, is around systems and processes. This doesn't come naturally to us um, as Africans. We're always in um, a sort of sales mode. We want to sell, 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 get revenue. Um, but it's really important to take a step back and say, hey, do I have a repeatable process for you know, a lot of anything I'm doing, whether it's sales, whether it's marketing um, and such like? Because once you have that repeatable process, um, it becomes easier for you to build and, and, and scale um, uh, whatever you are, um, you are doing. Um, and then lastly, um, never underscore the importance of um, partnerships. And by partnerships, um, I mean um, in, certain, in certain industries, your partners may become eventually your customers and will unlock access to funds that you don't necessarily need to release, um, external funds, right? Um, so never underscore that or never underestimate the, the, the power of, um, of finding the right partners um, and collaborators on, on that um, uh, in, 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 uh, in, in scaling your product. Um, because that that does make um, a huge a huge difference. One, it gives you um, the added validation that you're on the right path, but it also means that you are in a comfortable place where you are asking the question, "Do I really need to raise?" Because um, uh, you know the the revenues we're generating from this partnership um, is enough to sustain us for um, a uh, a, uh, a longer period of time. Um, so having said that, I'm 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 more from I'm more of the European mindset. Um, I, I mean, I live in a in, in Germany where there are thousands of of companies that nobody has heard of that generate revenues in excess of three hundred million um, euros, and these guys have never never raised. So the question again is also if, to the founder: Is do I necessarily need to raise? Are there other efficient ways? Um, of um, acquiring customers um, that will uh, that will sustain the business over a period of time. So th these are things that I, I believe will come um, will come will play um, a big role um, entering into 2024, and um, increasingly we'll see um, more startups sort of taking a more measured approach when it comes to not just fundraising but um, but generating uh, revenue. All right. Thank you so much, Ezra.
Um, I missed a bit of what you said at the beginning. I, I really wanted to hear that, but I'm happy I was able to hear um, the different points that you made uh, not too long ago. But I think you raised some really, really good points. I think systems and processes are really key. And I love what you just said, like in terms of like partnerships and just really asking that question. Because to be honest, I think we started to equip success with raising. But what if you're building a company that is on its own revenue and is doing well and you don't have to raise? I think, um, is it MailChimp or one of those companies that is basically bootstrapped all the way and look at where they are today? Um, I hope that's correct. But like, I think I'm focused on actually building a real genuine business. I think Bernard mentioned looking at your unit um, economics, um, talking about the resilience, not to talk about just focus. Don't um, be too much about, oh, I need to raise money. That's not the focus. The focus is to actually solve problems, focus on your customers, and you should be fine. So thanks, Ezra, for those points. Um, I have two last questions. Um, we're kind of like rounding up, but we talked about challenges. And again, like I said, I think we learn a lot when we think about this is what we need to focus on. Um, but I want to talk about the triumph of, triumphs as well. What are those wins? And so I want to put um, ask, um, and I'll probably kick off with um, Bernard as well, um, Bernard, from his perspective, um, what standout innovations or adaptive strategies did you see um, maybe startups employ in 2023 just to remain competitive? So um, you talked a, a bit about pivoting and all of that, being able to know when is the right time to kind of try something new. What would you say are some really standout innovations or adaptive strategies that you saw? And um, that is just like, these are some things and these are some things that can be done better as we go into um, the new year. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll quickly touch on a few. So one, one of the, co one company in Nigeria that I've been pursuing this year, I realized, you know, like uh, similar to the point I made, they started out to build open banking rails, but they, they are now focusing on B2B payments, which I think was great. You know, they came to markets with a loud bank to say, this is what we are going to do. And they pivoted quickly because they realized that one, okay, this space perhaps is not mature for us. Or maybe the competitive dynamics there, it's not something we want to build, but we've seen a, a bigger opportunity in B2B payments. But one of the things I've, I, I loved about this company is they, they redefine go-to-market for me. I, I think a lot of founders build great products from a, te a technology standpoint, but you know they, they, they relegate go-to-market to, to, to the background. You know, they are UI, they are backend, the tech systems all work very well. But when it comes to go-to-market definition and processes, they really get that to the background as if it's not important. But look, we are all in the business of sales. And if no, no matter how important your product is, if you don't have a well-oiled sales function, it doesn't take you anywhere. So one of the innovative things this company, and you know, the company is Duplo for, for those who know about it, that they did, which I liked, was they, they, put out, they started putting out these interesting thought leadership pieces, which I think was fantastic. So now they are building, you know, B2B payments and their main clients are, you know, the main users of their solutions will be fintech, uh, will be CFOs. So this guy started doing is putting out, you know, uh, uh, markets or industry papers around uh, the financial spaces. I think the, the latest piece they put together was salaries of financial professionals in Nigeria. And what this does is it quickly gets you the eyeballs of CFOs and others in the financial space. And these are the guys who are the big decision makers, uh, 
you know, in deciding whether or not their company should buy your product. So, uh, I mean, if, if I'm to highlight just one innovative thing or maybe one thing that I would like to see more founders do is just owning that thought leadership space and having a well-oiled go-to-market plan. So a go-to-market plan that one has defined your ideal customer profile is, you know, what's, what is the persona? What are the pain points they face? And how are you solving that for them? The, the second one is, um, you know, are you, are you acquiring customers in a profitable unit economics? You know, and I keep realize that I keep going back to unit economics because I think it's one thing that, you know, 2021 and 2022 kicked out the window. But fortunately, 2023 has brought it back. If it's something that we keep to, we need to keep focusing on. So, yeah, thought leadership, go to markets. I think that some companies uh, operating out of Nigeria have, have done this very well. And I'd like to see more of that going forward in the new year. All right. Thank you, Bernard. Um, Nonso, Ezra, Zion, any of you want to touch on this in terms of what you've seen that is very uh, innovative, how they've pivoted? Nonso, maybe from experience, Ezra, Zion, any of you want to um, drop a line on that? Uh, yeah, I think what I can speak yeah. on is really uh, basically the, the more collaboration I've seen in the space recently. I mean, we've 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 heard a lot that you know the funding is drying up, so companies will need to evolve or die, and then we that's led to you know conversations and actual like you know mergers and acquisitions happening. And one of them that I really uh, commend is like you know that merger or the acquisition between like Rise and Shaka, right? Basically, you know companies operating in the in the same space possibly targeting the same company customers right but rather than you know go at it for the long term individually you know merge to form a larger company that allows us to actually you know create value for customers and then build a more uh what's the term a, a, a bigger company with more enterprise value right which is a win-win for everybody so win-win for founders of the business for the employees of the business and the customers as a whole and that's one of the things that i'm actually excited for in the in the future of like you know the tech ecosystem because primarily what was happening before especially when there was like funding everywhere is everybody would just decide to go build on their own because hey you know i can raise from an investor by myself but now i think people are getting more creative around like collaboration and that will lead to you know more measures and acquisitions which i'm actually excited about thanks non so great point i think i honestly think and i think ezra touched on it i think collaboration is going to be key for the next year and for the next two, three years in the space. Um, Ezra, I see you are muted, so yeah, you can go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, um, great points, Bernard. Uh, non. So just want to add, um, one of the big eye-openers uh, for, for me is mostly around team composition. Um, uh, a, a lot of us are quite um, guilty, guilty, of, um, guilty of this. Uh, Africa... Um, as a whole, even though there are nuances in, uh, you know, different markets. But um, I'm beginning to see um, a number of um, startups built for the continent as opposed to, you know, the specific country they come from. Um, uh, and that comes uh, as a result of um, even the team composition. Um, you look at the founding team and you, you, you see um, individuals from, you know, two different countries coming together. Um, to solve a problem, it gives them a unique perspective, um, and they're able to build products with uh, the perspective of two different markets. 
um, or multiple markets um, at once, which also means um, uh, they have um, they have a bigger uh, there's a bigger opportunity um, to validate um, their assumptions and and, and test their uh, their product. So I, I see more of this um, coming out um, out of uh, in in twenty. 2024. One of the most fascinating for me is a, is a fintech um, coming out of South Africa called Review. Um, I mean, they um, great team, complementary um, from a um, from a nationality perspective, um, but also very forward looking. Um, uh, and so, and I'm seeing quite a number of um, startups. Uh, I mean, it's what we it's exactly what we did as well in uh, Boss 54. I mean, I'm Nigerian. Um, Joseph, my um, co-founder and, and, and CTO, who is based in Cape Town, um, is from Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, so, you know, between us, we have a good understanding of both the Anglophone and Francophone markets. Um, and we're able to incorporate all of those thinking um, in our product um, development. So um, I think that's something that has, um, that has stood out for me in 2023. And I think um, more African, more startups will emerge in Africa that are looking at um, commonalities um, across markets of a particular problem and solving for that. Great, great points. Um, thank you so much, Ezra. I think those are some really, really great points. I, I don't think I've ever seen it like that, where like not just building for a particular country, but thinking broader and having this mix of founders. Um, I think that's that's those are some really key points, and I think that will be interesting to see. Um, going forward. Um, all right, so I hope that we are we're kind of getting up on time. Um, but I have one last question. And personally, I don't like to necessarily talk trends because I think we can get caught up in trends and forget about what really matters, which all the speakers have actually talked about today. But I wanna wanted to ask, um, for lack of a better word, what trends or what um things do you think we'll see more of? So again, very similar to I guess what I asked, but um. What do you think is going to, what are those things that are going to shape um, the landscape in 2024? So we've talked about collaboration, partnerships, we've talked about um, just building with the future, more a more futuristic mindset. What other um, things do you see happening or what advice would you give startups? And like I said, start this next year, we've said, okay, these are the things to avoid, these are the things to focus on. This is what you need to look at, partnerships and all of this. What other advice, just like as we kind of wrap up, would you give a founder? Like, okay, going into the next year, this is what you need to do. This is something we may not have touched just because it's such a time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks, Bill. So I think my, what I'll say is that the macro issues we've seen this year will continue to persist in the, in the coming year. But on the on the positive side, even though the like the depletion of the of the naira we've seen it, it's it's been terrible this year. We think I believe there will be some uh, stability going forward, but the, the the levels at which it's reached now will be like the new normal. So people sometimes expect that so the naira will go back to maybe seven hundred or seven fifty. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But I think what will happen is that now there will be some stability. You know, you don't wake up to 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 ask what's the rate today. It's, is it twelve hundred? Is it nine hundred? It will remain at a thousand level, but it will, it will be stable. Which, which to me, it's better to plan with the high uh, high uh, 
even though the depreciation is high, but if it's stable as a thousand, it's easier to plan with that. So yeah, the macro issues will persist, uh, but there will be some stability. Uh, I think one thing that we also see coming out of next year is a lot of cost rationalization. I think founders don't have a choice than to do this. Uh, you know, managing new teams and always making sure that they are in default alive mode. Um, some of the burn rates I mean I've seen from companies even at the at the pre uh, seed or seed extension stages this year it's unsustainable. I mean you cannot be operating at a, a million dollars annualized revenue. And your burn, your monthly burn is in excess of 100k US. I mean, what kind of business are you growing? Why are you doing it at that stage? So I think um, cost rationalization is going to be big. And it's going to be big because, you know, the capital to, to rely on is no more there. Once you've raised a small round of 2 million, you have to make sure that you be efficient around burning this for the next three to four months. You cannot come back to markets in eight-month cycle. We saw in, in the last two years. And, and I think one other thing that you know makes me excited as an investor is that we would see uh, founders who have business, who have built business models on strong fundamentals will continue to raise. I mean, there's been a lot of talk around capital drying up. But you know, capital is drying up on the on the on the top level, but I don't think it's drying up for businesses that have strong fundamentals. And, and I think it's in, in the long run, it's good for the ecosystem, right? The, the companies that are not meant, that, that did not deserve to receive funding will eventually die. Uh, the founders who have built strong, resilient businesses will continue to raise funding. You know, things like the things that investors did, which was terrible, in the last two years will no more have been like full more invested because my colleague investors are investing in the startup. I also try and write a check. So maybe to round up, I think my prediction for the coming year is that look, there will be some stability on the macro issues. They will still be bad at the high levels we've seen, but at least there will be some stability. And there's a lot of uh, investor funds available for strong businesses to, to get access to. Just that the, the, the bar will be high for some of these pools of capital. But it's not as if the money is not there. The money is there. I mean, if you look at the, I mean, Partech raised, what Patek has raised about three three hundred million dollars this year. My own fund has we we recently announced our final close of two hundred and five million. I think AAIC has an eighty five million fund. CLCOM also has a hundred and fifty million fund coming live. So it's not as if the capital is not there. The capital is there, but the bar to access these these, these pools of capital are high, and it will only go to founders who you know have strong fundamentals. I don't think you know the, the past where. Uh, founders with glamorous pitch decks and you know uh, charismatic, well-speaking founders, you know, unlocking tons of money. I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, there will be some. There will still be some investors who want to write checks to glamorous or charismatic founders just for the sake of it. But I think strong uh, business fundamentals will be key in, in, in unlocking capital going forward. Uh, but yeah, I think you know, on the on on. In general, I'm still I'm very much bullish around the Africa tech ecosystem. I think this year has given us a, a sober reflection moment. And, you know, the, the good thing that has come out of this challenging year is that we've matured as an ecosystem. We are starting to think about the right metrics and celebrate the right metrics. Uh, one of the things I hated in the past few years was celebrating the status of a unicorn, which 
to me, it doesn't really mean anything, right? Anybody can be a unicorn. But if we start celebrating metrics like, oh, this company has reached hundred million dollars of free cash flow or hundred million dollars of, of net revenue. These are these are the right, you know, metrics. These are not phantom metrics. These are not things that you can gain. Uh, so yeah, the maturity that the ecosystem has has experienced gives me a lot of comfort that you know we continue to grow from muscle to muscle and build, you know, the, the robust ecosystem that we all want to see. All right. Thank you, Bernard. I see Ezra, you're muted. You want to jump in? Um, yeah. Um, so um fascinating insight, um, Bernard. Um what I what what um I would also like to to add um is and I don't think um this gets spoken of um as often as it should. Um I think um founders will also be um will also be more uh more realistic um in, in looking at their models. Um and uh, increasingly um we'll probably see um a calendly type playbook um being used in Africa uh, or by African founders. Um I mean the the the, the story of um calendly um phenomenal raised what uh, 2015, 500k, and um, over the years grew with that and revenue um, to a point where you know he was able to you know raise you know significantly, significantly more. Um, I think um, a lot of founders will see a lot of that um, coming uh, coming out. Um, certainly, when you look on uh, LinkedIn, um, you will see that strong apathy from. Uh, from founders to raise um, to fundraise because in in reality it is an exhausting process um, and a lot of founders now are beginning to say hey if if I spend the same amount of time um, fundraising in really growing the business and um, building partnerships collaborations and, um, and and acquiring customers then I will be in a much in a much better better place so I I believe. We'll see more of these um, in 2024. All right. Thank you so much, Ezra. Nonto Zion, do you want to um, chip in before we wrap? Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to show this. Um, I like what um, Bernard said, which I think is true on Ezra. Uh, and I think the going into 2024, there's going to be a lot of like um, need for founders to invest in education, right? Because... Um, I think what Nonsuna mentioned has been a lot of like copy and paste without really, and Bernard too as well, without really understanding the dynamics of business from a very fundamental level. And I think that would, um, all of that is definitely would change to a very good extent. And um, those that will definitely, you know, invest in education and really understanding how to build business and especially maybe from particularly more seasoned entrepreneurs will definitely go a long way, right? Because seasoned entrepreneurs have seen different cycles of economy and how they need to adapt. And there's, there's a lot that, um, you know, the startup founders within the, um, the ecosystem would definitely need to learn to build a company that can go from like, um, like a last, you know, through different economic cycles 
and all of that. So that definitely we're looking forward to seeing much of this change in like 2024 and going forward for the Africa and this African startup ecosystem in particular. Yeah, not much from me because uh, I'm looking at it from like, you know, a founder lens and I mean, I have like my personal like expectations for for the business. But I think generally I feel like the ecosystem would, you know, mature to the benefit of, of, of a lot of people. And part of those benefits would be, you know, a stronger ecosystem that benefits everybody. That's really like what I'm really looking forward to. And we started to see like the seeds being sown in types of like, you know, the type of conversations people are having around like, what does it mean to be, you know, the right founder? How do you, what are some of the things that you should do and what you shouldn't do? Right. I think we're, we're really just growing up and that growth, that growth really uh, would play out in terms of how the ecosystem matures over time, because realistically it's still a very young ecosystem. But, you know, there was a lot of cash that was being thrown in, into it. So I think now that there's less cash and we're having like more important conversations, we mature for the benefit of everybody. All right. Thank you so much. So thank you, Ezra. Thank you, Bernard. Thank you so much, Zion. Um, I love this conversation. I think this has been one of my best so far this year. And just because I just, I think we learned so much by looking back and then um, using insights for the future. Um, and thanks to everyone who joined us on this um, conversation and everyone who listened on the podcast. I hope um, it was as valuable for you as it was for me. And um, a lot of things um, we talked about today in terms of like different things you need to focus on the fundamentals. I think we had a conversation a few months back really just around unit metrics and all of that. And those are some things that we're going to make sure to like kind of push out next year so that you guys can also have those insights and really know how to build. But thanks again so much to our speakers, um, Zion, Bernard, Ezra, Nonso. Um, looking forward to an exciting 2024. And yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Merry Christmas to everyone and have an awesome holiday season. Bye, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. If you found value in today's episode, you can find more at gotlaunchpad.com. Stay inspired, stay innovative, and keep building those dreams. Until next time, bye.